Um, I don't know if you've ever played a game called Bible Roulette before. Um, my grandpa, I think it was, that told me a, a joke about someone who did that. He, uh, this man wanted to find out what God's will was for his future. So he closed his eyes, he opened up the Bible randomly, and he stuck his finger to a spot, and he opened to Matthew 27, 5. And it said, Judas went away and hanged himself. He didn't like that answer, so he tried it again. This time, his finger landed on a different verse, Luke 10, 37. It said, go and do likewise. Again, he didn't like the answer, so he tried once again. This time, it landed on John 13, 27. It said, what you are about to do, do quickly. Usually, it doesn't happen Things don't happen to go too well when we approach finding God's will like that. I have to admit, I've done that before. I was, uh, when I was in college, I began college at Niagara University. I was studying psychology and communications. And uh, while I was there, I felt that God was leading me into ministry. And uh, I remember praying and saying, God, I really need to know an answer whether this is really what you want me to do. So the only way I knew to find out the answer was to do that. So I got out my Bible, and I'm, I'm holding it up, and I'm like, I got faith. And I'm like, now an answer's going to come. An answer's going to come. And I opened up the Bible, and it was like a map or something. It had nothing to do with my situation. So I thought, I'll try it again. And I tried it one or two more times. And then finally, it came to Jonah 1.1. It said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness had come up before me. There it was. I was called to be a preacher. I had found out God's will. Some people approach God's will that way. Like it's almost like you're telling a fortune or trying to get an answer like through a fortune teller. And when we look at the question, what is God's will for my life, or what do we do what should I do in a certain situation? There's, for me, there's been two books that have kind of influenced me on that topic. One book was a book called uh, Decision Making and the Will of God by Gary Friesen. And in that book, he describes how God speaks primarily through his word, the Bible, and he gives us a freedom to make decisions based upon the wisdom that he's given in his word. So, in other words, for him, you don't need to wait for a special word from God before you proceed with an action. Another uh, book, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, is Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. And in that book, he describes how God speaks in a number of different ways. He speaks through his word, through prayer, through circumstances, and through his people. And he says that God is always speaking, and that we need to be attentive to hear what he says through those different things. And I think there's kind of truth to both of those, even though they seem like different ends of the spectrum. I think there's truth to both of those, but today we're going to kind of look at that first view, kind of the wisdom view. And the reason that we need to start with that view is because uh, there's a number of errors that we can fall into uh, when we talk about hearing God's voice. Many people have reported to hear God's voice, and some have and some haven't. Last week, uh, I gave the example of Adolf Hitler, who said it was God, he felt it was God's will for him to persecute Jews. About eight years ago, uh, my, one of my uncles was very, very sick, and uh, we knew he wasn't going to live very long. And then a friend of a friend came to the hospital, and he's hooked up to ventilators and all these um, different devices. And the friend says, 
that his, I think he said that he had a word from the Lord that he was going to live. He said, buddy, you're going to get up and walk again. You're going to be fine. And just a few days later, he died. Many people claim to hear God's voice. Some pastors have used this as a kind of a means of getting their own way. Someone will say, well, I, I want to do this, or I, wanna, we think, I think we should do this. And then the pastor comes along, well, God told me that I should do this, that we should do this. It's almost like a power play, because how can you argue with that? And I think I know part of the reason that we fall into problems when it comes to the idea of discerning God's will. And I think it's, the problem is we sometimes approach it from the wrong an- angle. We sometimes start with the wrong question. We start with the question, what should I do? And that's a good question, a question that needs to be asked, but it's the wrong question to start with. The question that we need to start with is, who should I be? God doesn't often, oftentimes, God doesn't just tell us the decisions that we should make in our life. He wants us to own those decisions, for our decision, those decisions to become ours. Imagine it's a loved one's birthday, and you go up to your loved one and say, uh, what do you want to do for your birthday? Or what do you want for your birthday? Imagine your loved one says, all right, you're going to arrive at my house at 5 p.m., and uh, from there, you're going to take me to Salvatore's, and you're going to uh, buy for me for dinner. Uh, I'm planning on getting uh, the surf and turf. Uh, afterwards, I hope you have a cheesecake prepared for me. That's my favorite kind of cake. Uh, and for my birthday present, I, I need a new TV. I'd like a new 60-inch TV. Uh, Samsung would be, would be the best. Now, if someone, if a loved one said that to you, you'd probably say, uh, yeah, right. Uh, and if you did do that, you'd be going, wrong, going along very uh, grudgingly. But imagine a different situation. Imagine that it's a loved one's birthday and you tell him or her, hey, it's your birthday, I want to do something special for you. Pick out your favorite place to go. I'll take you anywhere you want, my treat. And they pick the Salvatore's. You know that your loved one's favorite cake is cheesecake, and so you surprise your loved one with a cheesecake after dinner. You notice that your loved one's TV is getting a little bit old and outdated, and so you save up money for an extended period of time to buy this loved one a new TV. It's a difference of perspective, different motivations for doing something. And I think God is kind of looking for the person in that second image. He's looking for people who want to serve him, who are formed in such a way that they're going to follow after him. He doesn't want to just tell us every single do, thing to do in our life. Imagine if God did that. If God said, you know, okay, today I want you to go to Tops and uh, I want you to do this and that and that. It would just get overwhelming if God told us what to do in every single circumstance. He wants us to own our decisions. He wants to form us into the people that he wants us to be. If you wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, and when you find it, Uh, If you wouldn't mind standing out of reverence for the reading of Scripture. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, it should be on the screen also. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, 
equipped for every good work. You can be seated. Thank you. Uh, so in 2 Timothy, we're going to kind of focus on 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, it's a communication of God's word that God spoke through the scriptures. The scriptures were written by men over thousands of years, but, and they retained the men's personalities and different writing styles, but through that process, God was communicating his message. He was ensuring what would be wrote down, what would be preserved until we get our finally, uh, finally got our current Bible. So if God is involved in this process, we believe by faith that the scriptures without error in the original writings. And not everyone will uh, give that authority to scripture, and if you maybe don't believe in scripture in that sense, uh, I encourage you to spend some time studying whether or not you believe that the Bible is God's word, and I'd be happy to give you uh, some resources in that uh, direction if that's the case for you. So it says it's breathed out by God. It's God's very word spoken through men over thousands of years. And it says in the text that it's profitable for a number of things. For reproof, for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness. And notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that the Bible is useful for telling the future. It doesn't say the Bible is useful for giving every answer that we would ever want to know about our lives. These things that we're looking at here, teaching, reproof, correction, they deal with learning about God and his ways and forming us us as a people and the people God would want us to be. So that's the main idea for us today. God uses the Bible, his word, to form us into the right kind of people who are prepared to make the right kind of decisions. God uses the Bible to form us into the right kind of people who are prepared to make the right kind of decisions. So the Scripture first says that the scriptures are profitable for teaching. The scriptures tell us about God's word. It tells us about the character of God. It tells us the story of redemption, about man's rebellion, about how God sent Jesus to deliver us from our sins. The Bible tells us uh, what types of activities are wrong, like adultery, lying, stealing, gossip, etc. The Bible tells us what types of things are good, love, faithfulness, honesty, The Bible is profitable for teaching those things, giving us a content, the content of our faith. And then it goes on to say that the scriptures are helpful or profitable for reproof. The Greek word for reproof can be defined as an expression of strong disapproval, reproach or rebuke or reproof. Sometimes God speaks to us through scripture and it's like we're getting hit in the head with a two by four. Maybe you're doing something wrong, and maybe you didn't even realize that you're doing something wrong, and you read the Bible, or you hear a message on a scripture, and it's just like God is speaking into your life, and you get convicted about what you're doing, that it's wrong. The scripture can cut through our behaviors and expose the depths of our hearts. The text says next that the scriptures are profitable for correction. This can also be defined as improvement. Not only do the scriptures convict us and tell us what's wrong, but the scriptures help us improve, become better people, become better followers of Jesus. They show us a better way than sin, the sin that we're previously living in. And finally, the text says that it's profitable, scripture is profitable for training in righteousness, for training in right living. The Bible is our field guide, our manual for how to live life, how to fight temptation. Remember in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is... uh, responding to Satan and is being tempted. He responds by using scripture. So that's why it's important that we spend time in God's word individually because God helps us 
God forms us into the people he wants us to be through Scripture. So we're talking about decision-making and finding out the will of God, hearing God's voice. So when we have a decision, what are some principles that we can use in making a decision? I'd like to go through five different principles that we can use in making a decision. First, we pray. We'll talk later on about how God speaks to us through prayer when it comes to decision-making and God's will. But any discussion of God's will needs to start with prayer. Asking God to speak to us, to show us his way. So we need to pray. Second, we need to determine if there's any moral issues involved. Now, there are some things in Scripture that are absolutely clear. For example, if you're offered two jobs, and one is in an office and one is being a dancer in a club, the answer should be pretty clear scripturally. If you're, at, if you're praying, God, I don't know if I should divorce my wife or not, the answer is pretty clear, it's a no. There are some things in Scripture that are crystal clear, that are non-negotiables, that God has declared to us in his word. And if, there, if those moral issues are involved, we have a very clear answer. Sometimes I've encountered people who will say something like this. Well, I know that the Bible says such and such is wrong, but I've talked to God and they've said it's, he's, he said it's okay. God will never tell you something that contradicts something that is in his word. He's not kind of disjointed. He doesn't tell us one thing and then tell us another thing somewhere else. It doesn't change. So we need to determine if there's any moral issues involved. Third, we need to read the Bible and be open to hearing from the Holy Spirit. And we need to make sure that we are interpreting Scripture in context. That's why it's important to study the Scripture, maybe uh, get a study Bible or uh, read commentaries, study it in context, listen to uh, messages uh, on the Scripture. And when you read the Bible, you know, you probably won't find a direct answer to your situation unless it's a Unless it's a moral issue. But you look at the scripture and then you find a principle in the scripture and then the Holy Spirit somehow applies that scripture to your life. For example, maybe you're considering a new job and uh, maybe you're thinking about making a certain decision and then you read a passage in John that says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then as you're Thinking about that decision, the Holy Spirit brings to your mind that maybe that action that you're doing, about to do, the, the thing that you're considering, maybe it's not really guided by love. And the Holy Spirit applies that to your situation uh, and shows you what he would have you do. Maybe you're thinking about a decision and you're feeling a lot of fear or anxiety, and then you turn into the Bible to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're dealing with a disease and you read in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, that says, For I am the Lord, your healer. Maybe you're tempted to give up and you're weary. And then you turn in the Bible to Psalm chapter 46 that says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God speaks through his scripture. He speaks through his scripture as we look at it in context, as we look at 
the meaning as it was meant to be. But he speaks through scripture, and the Holy Spirit applies that situation to our lives. I've had a number of people on a number of different occasions ask or come up to me after the service and say, that message was exactly what I needed to hear. And a lot of times, I, I find it interesting that when that happens, it happens to be like a day where I don't feel that the message went uh, quite as I would hoped it to go. And I don't feel as strong about it. Someone will come up and say, this is exactly what I needed to hear. That's the Holy Spirit applying the scripture to individuals' lives. The Holy Spirit does that. He applies the scripture to our lives. And so when we thinking about the decision, we need to read the Bible, being open to hearing what the Holy Spirit would say to us. Number four, we need to be open to God speaking through other means, through circumstances, prayer, and his people, uh, looking for the direction that he's pointing us. And we'll be looking at those different aspects in the f- next few weeks, um, and I'll, we'll uh, talk those, about those then. So be open to God speaking through circumstances, prayer, and his people. Five, if you don't receive any specific direction in the situation, we can move forward with godly wisdom. If you don't receive any specific direction in the situation, we can move forward with godly wisdom. Remember, if you're allowing God to shape you, listening to his word, reading his word, praying, you'll be equipped to make wise decisions. He won't need to tell you every single thing you need to do in your life. I remember uh, my dad told me a story about a man... Uh, that he knew in the, when he was in the service, uh, and he didn't have a job. And so he, went, you know, he just stayed in his apartment. He said, I'm just going to pray that I'm going to get a job. And he didn't send out any resumes. He didn't talk to anybody. He just said, I'm going to pray that I'm going to get a job. Well, that person, you know, he had faith, but God had given those resources to him where he could apply for a job, talk to people, And then God could work through those things. And in the same way, sometimes we don't get specific direction from the Lord. We seek that direction. We seek seek him, seek his word. Sometimes we don't have a super clear uh, um, way that we should go. I mean, sometimes you're considering things that are morally equal, that God doesn't give you a clear direction on. And God gives us the ability to make decisions based upon his wisdom. So God uses the Bible to form us into the right kind of people who are prepared to make the right kind of decisions. A man named Dr. Erwin Braverman uh, was a dermatologist and director of medical residence at Hale Med- uh, Yale Medical School. And he was very concerned about his uh, students and uh, their power of attention. Um, given that uh, social media and the fast pace of life he was afraid that they weren't, weren't able to make careful diagnosis, that they weren't able to make, spot the signs of disease, they weren't able to pay attention to things that required thought uh, and uh, contemplation. So he had a, an idea. He thought he would take these students to an art museum. He told them to study this painting. They examined the painting for 15 minutes, and then they were told to discuss their observations with a guide and the peers. They were told, look at the normal, not just the eye-catching. Approach the work with an open mind, moving past first assumptions. Revisit the subject again and again. We're trying to slow down the students, said Yale Center for British Art Curator Linda Freelander, program co-founder. The artwork is a means to an end. 
In effect, the painting with its hidden stories becomes a substitute patient. Adopted by dozens of other medical schools, the brief intervention was shown in a three-year study to boost diagnostic observation skills by nearly 10%. At Harvard Medical School, students uh, given eight hours of similar training produced nearly 40% more observations and offer more sophisticated, accurate notations on a visual skills exam than those who are enrolled in the course. I think part of the reason that many of us have a difficulty in discerning God's will is that we don't spend enough time in God's word. We have a big decision that we need to make. And then we kind of freak out. We're like, ah, what am I going to do? I need to pray. I need to read the scripture. I need to figure this out. But in order to make consistently good decisions... We need to slow down, study God's word. Let it form us, let us shape us. Sometimes when we get to the point of making a decision, it's almost too late. We get, sometimes we need to make decisions in just a split second. Imagine that you're having surgery, and you, you go into the operating room, and you see the surgeon, and the surgeon has an anatomy, anatomy book out on the desk. And he's carefully studying the anatomy book, and he's... Then he's, you know, looking, you, looking at you and says, okay, that appendix, it'll be right there. All right, and uh, where's the scalpel? Uh, um, okay, I need about, says no more than a two-inch cut. Uh, and then he's just kind of reading it through. He probably wouldn't feel very confident about the decisions that that doctor was going to make. But that's, I think, somehow, sometimes how we are. We don't spend time in God's work. We don't know God's will. We don't know God's ways. Then we come up to a decision, and then we're like, uh, uh, we're kind of flipping through the Bible. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? I mean, imagine if Jesus was like that. He was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan, and Satan tells him to uh, turn the stones into bread, and he's like, well, let me think about that one. Would it be approved by the Torah? I didn't bring my scroll today. I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Jesus immediately knew his answer. There was no question. There was no debate. He knew what God would have him do in that situation. That was because he spent time with God. He spent time in God's word. He said, "Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." So God uses the Bible to form us into the right kind of people who are prepared to make the right kind of choices. If we want to make the right choices, the first thing that we need to do is spend time with God. Know God's will, know God's ways, as told, as told in the Bible. And in the coming weeks, we'll look at uh, other ways that God speaks through circumstances, through prayer, through other people. But the foundation is God's word. Nothing that God will tell us will contradict God's word. And that's the important thing that we need to know spending time being in God's word, allowing it to form us to be the people he wants us to be. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've communicated your will and your ways to us through the scripture. God, we thank you that you've given us everything that we need uh, to live a life of faith and a life of godliness. Maybe not everything that we'd uh, like to know. Maybe we still have lots of questions. But you give us everything that you need to make wise decisions. And God, I pray that we would be people who are formed by your word. People who live in a culture that's diametrically opposed to you, but people who are formed by your word and your ways.
God, forgive us for not spending enough time with you, for not being shaped by you, by being shaped by other people's opinions, by our culture's opinion rather than by your word. God, I pray that we would be people of your word and people who love you more and more. In Christ's name I pray, amen.